beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad podcast show. I'm Nubia. And I'm Francis. All right. So, Francis, what's going on? Yes, ma'am. Nothing much, man. I'm blessed and highly favored. You are now living in Japan, correct? Where in Japan are you located? I'm living in Nagoya, which is the second largest city in Japan. It's about two hours from Tokyo if you take the train, four hours if you drive. So it's central area. Okay, central Japan. I've never been, but I'm looking forward to coming to visit. So you already know. I know. I'm packing my stuff. I know. So. Doors wide open. <laughs> Nagoya is a great city, uh, so uh, you'll enjoy it. There's lots to do. I tell people all the time, when you tell somebody that you're moving and they get all sad, I'd be like, don't get sad. That just means there's a place for you to visit. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So tell us, how did this journey begin for you? Like, at what point did you decide to get up and just move abroad? You know, our stories are vastly different because unlike you, I was not a traveler, right? I did the whole up and down East Coast, New York, Philadelphia, Florida, that sort of thing, but I just never traveled. And so both you and I are empty nesters. My son, he is 19. And I was thinking to myself, you know, where is my life going now? Kind of in this career that I'm not super happy about. At that time, I was doing real estate full-time. And I was thinking more about where my life was going. And I was going to have all this time. And I was like, huh. So at the time I was talking to my ex-girlfriend and she was like, you know, I've always wanted to travel. I always wanted to see the world. But just like you, I had a lot of limiting beliefs. Oh, I can't afford it. Oh, I don't have the time. Or when the time is right, right? There's no such thing as the time ever being right for anything. You just have to do it. And so she was like, just go travel, take the time out and do you. And I was like, all right, cool. But I was just thinking about just traveling. Next thing you know, I'm buying a one-way ticket to Thailand. And what happened was I was like, all right, so I can travel, but I want to travel with a purpose. So what can I do that allows me to travel with a purpose? And teaching came about after doing some research. And I was like, okay, great. I have a little background in teaching. Let me take a look at this. And I found a program, TEFL program that was in Thailand. And TEFLs teach English as a foreign language. And I signed up, but I was still dragging my feet. Like, oh, you know, I was really nervous. I've never gone that far. And the TEFL program had a lot of locations. So Vietnam, Thailand, lots of places in Mexico. Had my interview. It went really well. And I was still nervous. So I decided to choose Mexico. And at first my gut said Thailand, but sometimes when your intuition speaks so loudly, you get a little nervous. So I was like, Ugh. and then I had a conversation with my ex-girlfriend. She's like, why would you go to Mexico? It's like right there. Why not go to Thailand? If you're going to do this, go all out. And I was like, all right, you're right. You're right. So, but at the time I was still dragging my feet to the point that the company was like, Hey, you still interested? And I didn't respond. 
And during that time, my father ended up passing away suddenly. And that's when I started thinking about life, mortality of life. And all my father's dreams died with him. And he had all these plans and he didn't get to see a lot of them come through. So I was like, this is it. I only have one shot at this thing called life. I'm going to go to Thailand. I don't know what it all means, but I'm heading that way. And so, but now I'm in Japan. Yeah. Wow, that's deep. Because sometimes when you're faced with those kind of things, it does make you, I mean, I think we all know that life is short, but we really don't understand the impact that that statement has on us until we lose somebody close to us. Yeah, yeah, we don't. And at that time in my life, I was dealing with a lot of transitions. You know, my relationship, with my ex-girlfriend was all over the place and my friendships were very rocky and I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety and I felt like the walls were closing in on me. And I needed to get away. And often when you need a change, sometimes you have to pull yourself out of your current environment just to gain a new perspective and to see things differently. And that's what I really needed at the time. Well, that's good that you even had the opportunity to do so because the opportunity, it seemed like the universe was speaking to you and everything played out the way it needed to. Because sometimes people don't have that other outlet, right? Your outlet at that time was your ex who was able to speak to you and say, you know, do something different, go all out, push yourself to your full potential, basically, where others, they just don't know where to turn when they're going through something. Absolutely. Because like my family, so my family's from Haiti and they have a lot of superstitions and they're just like, what? Have you been to Thailand? Like, of course not. You know, what does this mean? So they had a lot of pushback. And I mean, they had pushback when I moved from Boston to DC, you know what I'm saying? It's a, what, an hour flight? So for them, it was like totally out of the question. And, but they know who I am and I'm the type of person that kind of marches to my own beat. And I only told a selected few individuals. And then next thing you know, I was living in Thailand. Yeah. Stealth mode, as y'all heard in part one, or if you didn't, one time I just looked on Facebook, seeing Francis's things pop up on my feed and boof, she was in Thailand. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what the heck is going on here? So tell me, how did you yeah. transition to Thailand? Like, how was that with your son? What did your son say when you told him that you wanted to move abroad? You know, my son is probably like the best human being ever. I'm not just saying that because he's Aren't you sweet? But my son is kind of close too, though. He's kind of, you know, he's cool. He's cool beans. Yeah. My son is just really a laid back kind of guy and he's used to my antics. I'd be like, so his name's Karan. I'd be like, Karan, so we're moving now. And he's like, what? Okay. So we moved around a lot. So he's gotten used to that. And he's kind of, like I said, used to my antics. So when I told him that, he was like, Thailand, what? Why? So I explained to him and he's like, okay. And he didn't quite get it. But You know, it's interesting because now he's caught the travel bug. He went to Aruba with my cousin and my sister and he loved it. And then he spent 30 days in Thailand and he loves it. So he wants to go everywhere and anywhere. So he just go with the flow kind of guy. And I love it. That's what's up. Because my kids, girl, they were like, what? (laughs) They're like, Asia. Nah, that's not on my list. My son was like Bahamas. My daughter was like London. I was like, you guys are just totally not in the same region (laughs) that I'm in. You know what I mean? So you came over here. Was teaching in your background before you came over here? Yeah. So not officially. So a while ago, a long time ago, probably back in like, I want to say 2008, 2009, I taught an after school program where I taught poetry and spoken word. And it was a lot of fun. And I've done workshops and all of that. So 
but I didn't know like techniques. I was just kind of flying off the seat of my pants. And, but I love teaching in general and I love sharing knowledge with people. So it just seemed like a natural fit for me. My background is in social work. That's what I got my master's in, but I got burnt out. Long story for another day. And yeah, so it just, it just seemed to work. That's what's up. So if I ask you to drop some spoken word on us right now, you'd be well equipped to do so. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Absolutely not. It's been a while since I've performed. <laughs> I thought she was like, absolutely. I'm like, word. She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> not ready. Not ready. Okay. So I guess I won't do that to you. But if you ever feel the need to want to drop something, just let me know. Just be like, yo, Nubia, I got this. And then you can go right in. <laughs> so yeah. let's get another, another day. day. Maybe if I had a couple of drinks or something. I don't uh, know. I know in Japan is a heavy drinking culture, is it not? Oh my God. It's like mandatory. Like your boss, I actually met somebody yesterday who recently moved to Japan and she went out with her boss and her coworkers and she was literally puking in the cab a few hours later because that's what they do. And the boss is like, oh, another round, five shots here, 10 shots. I'm just like, I can't deal with that. I left that back in college. Like, that's just not my thing anymore. What? I know people back home in the States are like, looking at their bosses now, like, excuse me, are you going to go buy us some things? It's a thing. You drink with your bosses. You just, that's what you do. Wow. Wow. That's different. But okay. But not to the point of, I would say, puking and everything else. Because I've heard before that when you are drinking with a colleague, such as your boss or a client, it is uh, rude or considered rude if you turn down the drink. Yeah. So if you get invited out from a Japanese, you say yes, hands down. Because number one, it takes a lot for them to just reach out like that just because it's such a reserved culture. And so you just say yes and you just go and have a good time. I recommend putting water in your drinks just so that you can be able to handle the, the rest of the night. <laughs> what? There's a whole method to the madness, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Water down your drinks so you can get through the night. <laughs> Sheesh. So you're in Japan now. However, when you first moved abroad, Thailand was it. When you got here, what are some of the things that you learned about yourself? Like a few lessons you learned about yourself on your first journey living abroad? I learned a lot, honestly. I think that when I got to Thailand, it was a huge culture shock for me. And the reason I picked the TEFL program in Thailand specifically was because I wanted to get accustomed to the culture. I didn't just want to get thrown into teaching at a school and just be like, oh my gosh. So that allowed me, the program allowed me to really get accustomed to the culture, the language, the people, which was super helpful. But it was still a culture shock in regards to serious language barrier. You know, when you're in a country where no one understands what you're saying, it gets really frustrating. So I had to learn a lot of patience. I also had to come in with zero expectations because that's the only way that you're going to enjoy traveling and living abroad. When I first worked in Thailand, I worked in a very small town where most of the menus were in Thai. There were very few foreigners and everyone around me, they didn't speak English. So I spent a lot of time, like I said, our experiences was way different. I was going to say. You had a community that you were able to transition into. There was, for me, no community of color, very limited community of expats. And so it was very isolating. And at times it's still kind of isolating. Even here in Japan, I'm so navigating. I know a lot of folks and teacher folks and everything else, but it's still very different. So I'm still feeling my way when it comes to community. And so I learned patience. I learned to judge as less as possible. 
I've learned to be just, I actually wrote an article about this, but like certain people like locals or because you come across a lot of different people, not just locals, but people from other countries who may ask you questions that you may deem to be ignorant, but really it's just innocent because they just aren't exposed to the things that we're exposed to being Americans or Westerners. So you just got to approach everything with uh, love and kindness, be very, very, very patient and zero expectations. And I've learned that I could actually navigate anything. Because when you decide to live or travel abroad, your confidence grows. When you start navigating maps, navigating locations, language barriers, you build a sense of strength and resiliency and openness. Mm, That's true. And I have to go back to you saying zero expectations. I think, again, it's something that you hear all the time. It's something that you try to go into. I'm not going to have any expectations with this relationship. I'm not going to have no expectations with these people, blah, blah, blah. But when you come abroad and the only thing you know about that place are the pictures that you see on Instagram and Facebook, and then you get in there and you're actually immersed in there and you're like, oh no, this is a total different world. It's not necessarily that picturesque or it's so much more to it. You get shot down. And that was like my experience in Bali, right? Like I went to Bali with this expectation of eat, pray, love. And I was just going to be so spiritually awakened and I was just can't wait to go. And that was just not it. So (laughs) when I was having my meltdowns in Bali, I recall you saying, girl, you can't go in there with expectations. You got to have zero expectations. And had I went to Bali with zero expectations, I think it wouldn't have bothered me so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, a lot of people, Thailand, for example, love Thailand. But, you know, I was a little called shocked by the trash in the streets. It's very different. You come to Japan and it's super clean. Okay. So you just got to throw everything that you've thought of, what you've seen, what you've heard, and come in with a blank slate. That's how you're going to have an enjoyable experience, period. It's the only way. I can imagine. So you see, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. Whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Our mission is to inspire you to book those flights, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure because our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So let's tap into some personal stuff since you all nosy and stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's get up into really? your business. So listen, I'm a private person. So no. Well, not today. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell our listeners, what is it that you identify as? I identify as a lesbian. I'm 100%. Black lesbian woman in Japan. Yes. So what is dating like? being a Black lesbian woman in Japan. Yeah, it's rough. It really is. Because when I first transitioned abroad, I transitioned with my ex. Long story. Don't ever do that. Lord have mercy. And so last year for me, my theme was healing and just really focusing on working through some personal issues, which were always evolving. And now I'm, you know, at a point in my life where I'm you know, looking around and being open to being partnered again. However, it's really difficult if you're Black and you're in Southeast Asia to make those types of connections. I haven't explored the LGBTQ scene out in Japan. I know it exists. I know a lot of things happen in Tokyo more often. So I can't speak to any of that. So right now I'm just living my life and 
being open, talking to a bunch of people. And, but yeah, dating is non-existent for me. Right? So we share that in common, girl, because I already told you Thailand is non-existent. <laughs> I am wondering where does it get better? So basically for the listeners out there that think you're going to come out here and get you a little Asian man, probably not. I don't know. Tinder, I guess. Well, no, it's possible. I was going to say. It's possible. I've seen, there's a lot of interracial couples, like I'm part of a couple of groups, you know, Black in Japan, and a lot of them have been able to find partners. But are they in Tokyo, though? Tokyo is different from no, the they're everywhere versus, they're everywhere. You know. I think the people of color here are sprinkled everywhere. I think if you're mm-hmm. open to dating outside of your race, then you should be fine. I'll, I've met some guys here. Uh, there's a huge African population in Japan. There's a huge Brazilian, Filipino population and Indian population in Japan. So if you're open to dating outside of your race, then it's plentiful. I found that. Girl, I think I'm packing my bags tonight. You're so crazy. I actually find that some (laughs) Japanese folks, they really like the people of color. The rich chocolate drops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I might be heading to Japan, (laughs) y'all. I'm so serious, too. I am dead ass because Thailand is not where it's at for dating at all. Yeah, I don't know. I try not to think too hard about it because I'm like a hamster on wheels and just let it organically flow the way it's supposed to flow, I guess. Oh, you're so zen and shit. I love it. But I am totally the opposite. (laughs) He's like, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. (laughs) Hell yeah. When you get my age, you're like, you know what? Enough is enough. And, you know, I experienced some wonderful, beautiful things and meet some wonderful, beautiful people. I really would like to explore those things with the person that I love. You get what I mean? If my kids are not going to come down here and try to explore it with me, then I need to explore it with that person that you wake up to every day. So you guys can talk about it and those kind of things. You know? I think it's what's important because I was actually having this conversation yesterday. I think for me, it's finding someone that's really open to the travel journey. Before I came, because after Thailand, I went to the States for a little bit, visited friends, caught up with people and then came back. But right before I left, I was, you know, I met somebody and we were dating, but that person was very much rooted and not going anywhere. So I think that whomever, especially if you're already on this journey, that person has to really want to be a part of that travel journey with you. And that's not everybody. So that I think is an equation that makes it a lot difficult for somebody like you and I, who like to travel and go to different countries and explore and, and spend three or four months here and there. That person has to be open to that. as. But I think this is a big difference. I don't just like to travel. I love to travel. You get what I mean? Like it's a passion for me because it's more than just me sitting on the beach and having a cocktail. Half the nine times out of 10, I'm not even doing that. Somewhere off exploring that city or the mountains and the mountain regions and different things. Like I'd love to do different things. So 2018 is more of a travel with a purpose standpoint. So when I choose a place I want to go to, I kind of want to make sure that I'm diving myself into more humanitarian things, volunteer work, really jump in with the locals and not just play the tourist role because that it gets exhausting and gets old very quick. I don't mind being a tourist one day in my time that I'm there just to kind of do that whole tourist, I don't know what you would call it, roadmap, I guess. But overall, I like the off the beaten path thing. So it is really difficult meeting somebody who shares that same passion as you. But I was talking to a young couple last week 
And they asked me about that. And it was just like, you know, what do you do when you have one person who wants to move abroad and the other who's not necessarily against it, but they need a little bit more time or they need a little bit more research or they're just a tiny bit skeptical of leaving everything that they have developed or have built abroad, you know, at home in the States to go abroad. So, yeah, I think it's all comes down to personality. Some people are planners and need everything or enough that makes them feel comfortable and stable. And some people like me, I mean, I don't need to feel that stability. I do things on a whim, spontaneous. So I think that if you're coupled, either you compromise and meet in the middle where it's a win-win situation for everyone, or you have that tough conversation and you go your separate ways. That's deep. And nobody likes that tough conversation, girl. It's not the easiest conversation to have. It really isn't. No, but it's paramount because it's like you're going to get in the situation and then somebody's going to resent each other. And it's just uh, anyway. Oh, yeah. It just goes on and on and on. So let's get out of the whole relationship topic because that is going to be a topic in itself a couple of times during our podcast, I'm sure. But let's now ask you, when you go back home to the States, what's the first thing that you're going to have? What's your indulgent? Oh, my God. Haitian food. So my cousin, every time I visit, I go home. Whether I was in the States, she makes me my favorite meal and I love her for it because she's an excellent cook. So I will have some what we call Haitian legume with white rice and some bean sauce and maybe some fried plantains or something and some Haitian patties and carb overload. And I feel like I want to throw up. But I'm so Okay. So can we get your cousin to like make some dry freeze it and ship it over to Thailand? <laughs> We've actually been talking about it. <laughs> I was like, how are we going to make this work? I was like, how are we going to make this work, Stania? Let's do this. And she's like, I don't know. But yeah, it's in the works because I'm fiending for it. I can dig it. So to wrap up everything, let's now collectively talk about how Chronicles of Bride came to life, right? And I'll let you start it off since this is your segment. Oh, really? So Nubia <laughs> yeah. and I, we've had a lot of people just reach out to us, either asking questions about traveling. For me, it's teaching abroad and living abroad. And so we decided to come together bring our resources together and create a platform where we can answer those questions for people and provide those resources and tips. But also we thought it'd be interesting and cool because we both on this journey have met a lot of interesting people. And we wanted to highlight some of those stories because we wanted to inspire people to who have been wavering to finally make that decision and say, hell yes, this is for me. So that's how the podcast came about. I don't know what you have to say, Nubia, what do you think? Yeah. Anybody who knows me knows I am an extrovert and they know that I'm a people person. I call myself a professional networker, right? I love to meet people. I love to get to know their story. I love to learn from my environment. And it's just been a great adventure for me. So since I've been abroad, I've gotten a lot of messages in my inbox from people who are just like, Oh my gosh, you know, you inspire me to want to travel. And it's like, there's a ton of travel bloggers, don't get me wrong. And they're all great. I love the stories that they tell, the visual stories, the blogs, the vlogs, all of it. It's wonderful. I wanted a platform, right, that made sense. It was hard to literally answer every single person's questions. That's how hard it got. It was like, okay, fine. Let me just get all of these questions together <laughs> and answer them. And I did that in a video that I did called Q&A with Nubia. 
And then I was just like, you and I would talk a lot, right? And it just got, it just made sense. Yeah, it just made sense. And we love travel. We love helping people. And I mean, like I said, yeah, it just fit. It made sense. So here we are. Chronicles Abroad was birthed. So each week we're going to highlight world travelers who are either traveling abroad, have traveled, or they are living abroad. And they're going to share their experiences with you. And we're really excited about it because we've, like I said, have met some amazing people from all walks of life, from different ages who are either in the beginning of their journey, right in the middle of the journey, or just veterans in this whole thing. And we hope that it's super helpful. And we hope that it is that catalyst that gets you guys abroad and overseas. But even more than that, we'll be providing tips and resources and travel hacks for the curious traveler. So we have a bunch of wonderful guests lined up. And some people talk about, you know, traveling on your miles, credit card miles. We talk about medical tourism. We talk about art, being a creative and being abroad. We talk about being a digital nomad, how, I mean, everything, every single topic and subject uh, travelers over the age of 50. It's great. And we look forward to you guys tuning in week to week. Absolutely. So hit that subscribe button, share this podcast with your friends, family, and support Chronicles Abroad. And if you have any questions, please definitely reach out to us. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie.